The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue. All in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. It's so easy to be average. You know it as well as I know it. It takes a little something to be special, Don. It takes a little something special to be a great player. We don't have enough great players. The hell with that! We don't want to coach average. I don't want to be around you. Why be around average? I'm proud of our young people in the classroom, in the community, and most especially in 310 days in Ann Arbor, Michigan. Three things. Number one, the team that hits the hardest and the longest, the team that starts the fastest, and the team is too damn smart to make mistakes. If you take it to them, if you don't make mistakes, and you keep taking it to them, hell, there's no question who wins. Buckeye Podcast, by fans, for the fans, where they hate that team up north as much as you do. It's time for the OHIO Podcast. OH! OHIO Podcast, everybody. I am your host, Buckeye Boggs. That man over there is the wild man, Chris Wilds. And boy, do we got a great show for oh, yeah. you. We've got a we've got quite the treat for you today. I'm super excited. I, this has been a couple years in the making, believe it or not, because I've ever since I found out uh, this guy's uh, hate for the word the, I've had to find and finally get him on. He's on today. We're so thankful to have all of you on. Make sure you participate in the chat during this show. Feel free to uh, ask questions of our guest or Chris or myself. Chat back and forth. We've got people watching on YouTube. we got people watching on Facebook as of right now. And my goodness, look at these people flying in. This is great. Comments flying in. Looking good, all of you. You can catch us on Facebook at The Ohio Podcast. Find us on Twitter at The Ohio Pod. Email us, theohiopodcast at gmail.com. You can read our articles at Scarlet and Game. 
Team.com as well. You click it in, read articles every day, four to five articles about Ohio State from different writers, including myself. You can also find our podcast right there on Scarlet and Game, as we are the official podcast of Fan Sided. And as of this week, Chris, we are also the official podcast, the Ohio State podcast, that is, for Big Banter Sports. We're excited about that partnership as well. And uh, all of those places we recommend and encourage you to please go and check out in the house tonight larry daniels already says hello from sunny uh, sunshine state welcome john so he already knows who our guest is we've got james uh tube 8439 io love it james welcome to the show robert allen our buddy he says io and indy uh, justice our boys will be in december just as our boys will be in in december in indy that's right by the way, James says he's from that state up north, Detroit, Michigan. He spelled it correctly. Go Bucks! Welcome in. And our buddy Donald Hopper from Fairbanks, Alaska is in the house as well. And we have in the house, that's right, he's from Always Irish, the Always Irish Show, Mr. John Kennedy. Welcome to the OHIO podcast, my friend. That was pretty good. I like that. That's right. You got it. That's pretty good. I like that. You, I think you worked on that. It, I, it's good to be here. Uh, I got to tell you guys, though, it, it's it's a bit alarming, the amount of Ohio State people that tune into my show fairly <laughs> regularly. It, it, it's kind of good, but every once in a while, my own people go, John, what are you going to call yourself? The always buck nut show from now on or what? Uh, so we, we, but it's good to, good to have you guys around. I appreciate it. Hey, we, we, I enjoy your show immensely. Uh, the entertainment value is great. And Hey, we also have a brand new sponsor today. That's right. Lucky charms is our new sponsor today for just this episode. John, I didn't know you were so popular. You're on the box of lucky charms looking good there. I better get some royalties off this deal or I'm going to have to sue somebody. What, what's the deal here? Just like your use of the, I don't like that. I'm going to have to get, if I don't get royalties out of that deal, I'm going to, I'm going to have a beef. That's how it all started was, was your rant on how Ohio state has taken the word the, you know, it's funny to me. They came at me for my my logo I had. Yeah. So I had to change my logo. They're very protective uh, over there in Columbus, Ohio. But wait, did they, wait, did they really go after you for that? Yes. I had an issue. You know what I had an issue with? The cursive Irish script that I had on my original logo. I got some T-shirts made. I trademarked the name and everything and protected it. I copyrighted it. They, Notre Dame's legal team went at me in one minute, man. It went live, and they were like, you can't use that Irish script. So I've been there. I've been Ours there. was an exclamation point that got us in trouble. The exclamation point separating OH from IO got us in trouble. Like these people don't make enough money off all this stuff. They got to come after the little guy. But I was like, you guys don't own. What if I'm saying I'm Irish? You don't own that. And they're saying if it's in the football arena, you can't use the curse if we got it. So I I've been there. Oh, my goodness. I'll hey, we have come after Eric for that light that's behind his head right now. Yeah, right. <laughs> so we have we have Alaska. We have Alaska in the house. Uh, we got Florida in the house, and Matt Butcher from Australia is yeah. in the house. So we've got we've got an Irish and an Australian, and Matt Butcher. I don't know what you call an Alaskan, but uh, uh, maybe tough, I guess. 
<laughs> but we are thankful to have all of you with. All right, John. We're calling this the John Kennedy Experience. People who've never listened to the Always Irish Show, they are in for a treat because you've got one speed, and that's the full throttle go. And so we're going to fire some questions at you. We're going to have some good discourse over the next hour. We want you to post your comments and questions in the chat. We've already got one good question from Donald Hoffer. We'll cover that, I promise. But let's start right here tonight, John Kennedy. I want to know your background story. How did you become a Notre Dame fan? When and how? And and the Always Irish Show. Give us your background on that. Yeah. So it, it's interesting. You know, like uh, in some years where Notre Dame struggles and there's fan complaints, you know, some people on Twitter will say, you know, if you don't like it, pick another team to root for. You know, I hear some of that. If you don't like what's going on, pick another team. My response my entire life to that has been, I don't understand what you mean, pick another team. I didn't pick Notre Dame to begin with. It's who we are. Like, we're an Irish Catholic family from the South Chicago suburbs. I went to school in the the Southside Chicago Catholic League. Notre Dame's everything to us. There was no picking. We're Irish Catholics. And that's, it represents our values, the struggle coming over from Ireland, all of that history. Um, But I think the big thing for my family uh, specifically was my grandfather overlapped in the Navy in World War II with Frank Leahy. When he left his, who's my favorite Notre Dame coach of all time, losing physically broke that guy down. I, I, he was so dedicated to winning. I, I love him forever. But my grandfather overlapped with him in the Navy when he left his post at Notre Dame, went to the Navy, and Frank was always thinking, and he told the Navy, I'll go do this, but you put me in charge of, like, the recreation or whatever with these guys. So he went in there, and he recruited all those guys, and he said, if we get out of here in one piece, if you have eligibility, come to Notre Dame. So he was able to go serve in the Navy and then come back with a bunch of those players and then didn't lose a game the next four years and didn't come close to it. So my grandfather had that specific tie with Frank, um, but there was no pick in Notre Dame. It's just who we are and everybody in the family's that way. And when we were growing up, if Notre Dame lost, it, it ruined the week and nobody talked to each other till the next time we won. Like that's just how it is. So um, it's just something I was born into. And then, you know, you get older and things change and, uh, mid 2016, Brian Kelly built things up and then it came crashing down, uh, due to some of his own decisions. I did not feel the Notre Dame media was pushing anything. They were not asking tough questions. They were carrying water. There was way too much talent to be that bad. I didn't feel they were pressing the issue. And I just said to heck with it. I'll do my own thing then. So I was so mad. I didn't know what else to do. And I had to get it out. So mid-2016, I started. It was audio only. I didn't have a studio. I didn't have, you know, I wasn't even doing YouTube. It was audio only. And then it started to build. And people said, you know, there's a lot of shows. But the way you do things is a little different. So I kind of have my own niche there, um, doing things a little more animated and raw than a lot of people do. And it took off from there. And then you get on Twitter. And then I said, 
I'm going to build out a studio and do it on YouTube. And then that really kind of helped just because the video, people could put a face to the name, that kind of thing. Um, and it's been building since then. So uh, it's it's just a beautiful thing, you guys. It's my therapy. Like, like I go in that studio, it's a timeout on real life and it's football land. It's like therapy for me. And I just talk it out, work it out, whatever, whatever comes in my mind. Um, and I love it. This show is my baby. I love it. Um, and then uh, the, the radio thing really added to it. When I figured out how I could hook up a phone line, be it, letting people have a voice, it, it matters. You know, I don't want to be one of these guys where I just want you to hear what I think. And it's all about me, me, me. I wanted to give our fans an avenue. Um, and so that's really helped just being able to open up the phone lines and let people have their time happy, sad, mad, glad, whatever we're going through. Uh, so that that's kind of how it all started, little by little, and here we are. There you go. So <clears throat> here we are. And so we're, we're, we're very similar paths. You know, we were a few years behind you, but we started out as audio only, came to video in January, and here we are hooking up. This is pretty cool. Chris, you got the next question before I ask Donald Hoffer's first question tonight. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, John, I understand completely what you're talking about with uh, – just the Irish Catholic background. Uh, my ex-wife was came from that same background. I had the fortune of being the Ohio State fan in that Notre Dame group in the 90s back there when we had Eddie running all over you guys. Uh, so that, that was a great time for me. But what have been your thoughts on Ohio State as a Notre Dame fan? Yeah, so... <laughs> It all depends on, like, we got to get more specific because it, it it depends on exactly what we're talking about. Generally speaking, as a Notre Dame fan, we haven't won anything I care about since I was four years old. So it's frustrating to watch a team, especially kind of in your geographical region, have the recruiting and the on-field success that you guys have had in the time frame that we've we've been up and down and struggled. And so there's always some frustration there when you see a team, especially in your kind of region that that's uh, getting a higher end result. So there's always that frustration. However, on the other side of it, we can both agree. We don't care for Michigan very much. Amen. So we're on the same damn side there. All right. Yes, we are. So whatever we're going to get into, we might disagree about. We're on the same side on that one. I have no use for any of those people in any way. And I've had nothing but a, a lifetime of reasons to feel and think that way. So we can agree on that. Uh, and then here's the other practical consideration. You guys are kind of the, the model of a northern colder weather team that could compete at an elite level and recruit at an elite level. You know, we hear about everything in the South and we all know that's where a lot of the talent is, the Southeast and Texas. And then if you wanna get out into LA and some of what they have out there in USC land, another group I don't have any use for. Uh, and so it is sometimes good to know it can be done. You know, I always hear, John, it's too cold. You can't recruit any good players up to Notre Dame. I go, they don't have that issue at Ohio State, and they have worse weather than us, if not the same. So if you do it right, it can be done. And so in that way, 
you guys are a little bit of a model that proves you could be a northern cold weather winter type team and still get some top end talent. And uh, that's, you know, I don't want to say like a beacon of hope, but it's just good to have that in a northern area somewhere. And you guys are about the best at doing that. Um, So on that level, you know, I think that is healthy and good. All right. So, um, yeah, there's a lot of common, there's a lot of common in there. And, and I, I experienced that a lot when I'm at, at, in your show in the chat. Um, there's a lot of things that a lot of your viewers agree with that I agree with. And, you know, I, I obviously I'd like you, I was born and raised in this as, as Chris's daughter, like to t- like to tell us being a Buckeye fan means you're a part of a cult. So <laughs> there's a lot of similarities there. It is. It's almost like a second religion. But, you know, all of that being said, you have, and I don't know the story behind this, but here is a question that we've got to have covered here. And let me see if I can find it from Donald Hoffer. Yes, here we go. Donald Hoffer says, what is the deal with all the hate towards big nut aka his real name is john peters what's up with that man i've heard i haven't heard the whole story yet what's going on there between you and big nut my man listen like some of it is in jest i mean you guys wait a second first off you're not going to suggest to me it's normal for a grown adult large male to have full face paint right are we gonna can you concede that's not a normal thing to do to be a full-grown large (laughs) adult male and and have full face paint to get on TV. You can't tell me that's a normal activity. It's you it's can't. not it's not We're normal for somebody who wears Jedi robes, man. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> well, I tell you, it's not normal for for a hundred and four thousand nine hundred and ninety nine. But that for that one hundred and fifth thousand for John yeah. Peters, it's yeah. totally normal, my man. Yeah, yeah. Totally it's, normal. Like, but there's no way you can expect me to not have animosity to the guy. Like in the bowl game in 15, you're beating us and they zoom in on him. Like by proxy, I don't like him for that. I don't care. Like, like it's, it's just, all right. But there is a backstory, like a, a real one. He probably wouldn't remember it. And I don't think I barely remember it. But back in the day, I used to live directly across the street from Northwestern Stadium on the north side of Chicago, the first suburb in Evanston. And I was going to grad school and I lived right across the stadium. And Northwestern was playing Ohio State. And we have like these patio areas. And a big group of Ohio State people just kind of started tailgating in my little lawn area there. And I was opening up the window, yelling stuff, and then ducking, and they'd look up, and I was, you know, running my mouth and ducking, just kind of messing with them. So then I, that became the story where I was like, this guy was tailgating in my yard. You know, it was something else I could use on him. Uh, and it was kind of half funny, but I knew it was him because you can't miss the guy, you know. And so I would yell, get off my porch, and then duck and see them all looking up. Um, but Some of it's in jest, and I understand I've learned he's a very charitable guy, does a lot of good work and all that stuff. Uh, It might have been you. Somebody said to me once, uh, you know, you don't realize how much good stuff he does for our community. I'm assuming meaning the Columbus area and all that. And my response was, well, good for him. Keep it there. Don't come to South Bend. Keep doing your charitable work, but keep it over there. Um, So... 
some of it is just he's a representation of like you got your success that we want. Like I admit, it's just a part of it. And wherever you're at in a hundred thousand stadium, he always ends up on TV, and it makes me mad. Maybe a little jealous because I want that kind of promotion. Maybe that's it. I was hoping you would get a little bit more into it so I could give you this a triggered leprechaun warning with uh, <laughs> that's good. Uh, I had that one had that one ready for you there, John. <laughs> yeah. So it's just a little combination of everything. A little bit of jealousy of the success you've had, not thinking it's normal to be a, an older bigger guy with full face paint walking around every city and then and some of it's just, it's an easy thing to get mad about. Just like the, the, the thing before the game last year, I lost my mind on it. It was the week of the game and it, we got into it and it just, it just bugged me in that moment. And then it became a meme and a gif and or whatever. And it just took off. But I just, the idea that you could own the word the is just astounding to me in any capacity that, that you could put the, or and if you say it, the, it's different than the, give me a break. Oh, shoot. Robert Allen says, the enemy of my enemy yeah. is my friend. <laughs> we're, in, we're in lockstep on that. I have no use for those people in any way, shape, or form at all. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's a brain disorder. It's Michigan football brain disorder. I call it MFBD. It's Michigan football brain disorder. I, there's something wrong with these people. It, it's and it isn't just. It isn't just the fans. I even have problems with some of their media guys. It isn't even a classy. There are guys that cover their recruiting stuff. No class. No integrity. They don't do things the right way like they they will manipulate stuff like it isn't just like fans you argue with on twitter i have actual problems with some of the people doing actual legitimate media for them like i just have no use for any of them in any capacity at all no we don't either uh john we call that ttun right eric yeah ttun that team up north we don't even like to mention them and if we do we we x out the m we don't even like to even acknowledge uh their their little symbol there you know i think the biggest and and and, and i have a friend who who i make bets with in the last two years, and now I'm going to have to really pay up by taking him to the game this year and paying for his ticket. Um, here's here's the thing that I just can't get over. They are so obnoxiously snobby. They think everything about them is better. They think they're uh, they think that their education is better. They think that the Ann Arbor's better. They think their colors are better. They think their band is better. They think their team is better. They think their coach is better. And it, it's just it just rubs me the wrong way yeah. to the point where Ohio State fans have just this they despise them everything yeah. about them yeah. there is a true hate and so when we see notre dame going after them we we back you up man yeah. we absolutely back you up because there's there's no room there and what's i think be very interesting and this is kind of the tail end off of that with usc coming into the big 10 i wrote uh there on a saturday it was written uh it was published on saturday uh, saturday blitz I believe USC's biggest rival in the conference when they join will be Ohio State. They have played Ohio State more than any other team in the Big Ten, and I know your guys' hate to the Trojans is about 
pretty close to our hate to the team up north. There could be a little bit of a pat on the back there from you guys to towards us when we take them down as well. I find that uh, dichotomy a very, very interesting there, John. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, that USC thing, it, it's going to be really interesting. And I know I figured when we were going to do this show, at some point, the discussion of the possibility of Notre Dame in the Big Ten somewhere down the road would come up. Uh, the moment I really started to think that could become a thing was when they announced USC was going to join the Big Ten because that's our number one. You play them every year, historical rival, you know, uh, Rock, Rockney taking them out on the train to go to L.A. Because, by the way, you want to know why? Because Michigan's fielding Yost was so openly anti-Catholic, anti-immigrant, he wouldn't. He told everybody not to play us. And that forced Rockney to get on the train and go to New York and play Army and Navy, forced him to get on the train and go play in L.A. to find enough games to make a schedule. So that's the other thing Michigan people say. You're scared to join the Big Ten. And I said, when we wanted to, your own guy was the one who wouldn't let us. So you don't get to cry about it now. Um but the USC in the Big Ten is super interesting. One is, you know, Lincoln Riley's going to get his talent. They're, they're cranking back up the Carroll stuff, coming up with Hollywood money to pay guys and do all that. Um, so I like the idea that I want to see these, these boys from Southern California go play Penn State or Rutgers on a, on a November, late November afternoon where it's about 14 degrees freezing rain and snow. I want all that. I want to see them get in that mix and see how they handle that. Um, but it, it's definitely going to be interesting. I don't know how that's going to work out. They're going to be flying all over and, and uh, it, it's going to be really interesting. And, and the USC thing is my, ain't my, I hate those Michigan people, but I have to give them credit on this. At least they care. Like, it's illogical, a lot of the arguments and things they say, but those people <laughs> care. Year-round, every day, Michigan fans care. What makes me mad about USC is they're out there surfboarding, hang 10 all the time. Nobody goes to their games, and then the new coach is here. Suddenly, they're all back in and acting like they're diehards. They're all full of crap. They're out there fair weather as can be surfboarding and hanging out on the beach and in Hollywood being weird or whatever. And then, and then when they decide to, they act like they buy back into football. And I have no respect for being that flaky about football. So uh, the Michigan people, I do credit them that they really do care. And the USC fans are just so fickle and they're only going to show up if they're good one year or Notre Dame comes to town, you know, that kind of thing. Um, but it's going to be really interesting. But that USC in the Big Ten piece is, that's when I thought, man, if ND's ever going to do a conference thing, it's going to definitely be this one. And that was the icing on that cake because you can avoid all questions of what's going to happen with that rivalry if it's in conference. So I wouldn't be surprised if that happened. I just don't know when. We'll ask one more question here before we take a quick commercial break. And when we come back, we're going to dive into Notre Dame and Ohio State, the game this year, and, and have some nice discussion with there. But this is from James. Uh, he wants to know your thoughts on USC and UCLA joining the Big Ten. And I'll add to that a little bit. What does that mean for Notre Dame in, as a Notre Dame fan when you heard the news and you see this happening? Um, what, how, what's the Notre Dame fan base view this as as well? 
you know, I think there's two parts of that. Part one is what I just talked about of that is like the uh, huge, you know, Notre Dame wants to maintain that rivalry. USC always wants to maintain that rivalry. So, uh, you know, it, if Notre Dame joins a conference, it's going to be the Big Ten. It isn't going to be the ACC. Nobody wants to join that bad TV deal and sign up for that and, and whatever. The SEC is not a good fit for different reasons. Like, it would be the Big Ten. So that's one part of it. But the other part of it is the Pac-12 is not perceived to be one of the tougher conferences grinding week in, week out. So for now, Notre Dame fans, I think, like the idea that USC is going to have to play more tough teams in more tough environments more often and have some awkward travel and all that involved. We kind of like that. I kind of like that. I, I think it'll test them more than their traditional Pac-12 schedule will. Um, and I also don't want to uh, denigrate UCLA either. Um, you know, we don't have that history with them like USC, uh, but similar concept there. And so short term, I think we're excited to see them have to play in some cold weather. We all know they hate. They don't even like coming to our place in the second week of October, it's 65, 70 degrees. I'm tailgating in a polo and they're in their winter parka lighting a barrel of garbage on fire for warmth in the parking lot, like freezing. It's like, why'd you even come here then? Stay in Hollywood if you're going to be miserable. It's 65 degrees. Um, so, uh, but I'm telling you, dude, that USC announcement to the Big Ten, it was a big bell to all of us like, oh, man, is that step one that eventually leads us down this path? Uh, you guys, it's hard for me to not see all these external angles leading Notre Dame in that direction for a lot of reasons. Um, now, the one thing that's interesting with it is, Notre Dame's athletic director stepping down after next year and his replacement has already been announced and he's an NBC TV exec. All right. And so Notre Dame's got their TV deal up, up for negotiation. We're going to see what, where that leads. And again, we're kind of getting married with the big 10 there because now they're involved with NBC college football production. So all of these angles have Notre Dame fans in their head thinking, are all these arrows pointing us to one conclusion? And it would just be a matter of, of maybe when uh, and what the money looks like. You know how that is. I hate to say it, but that dictates a lot. And uh, we need to make sure this next TV deal as an independent, it doesn't have to be as much payout as the SEC and you guys are going to get but it has to be in the ballpark enough that you can compete operationally and with infrastructure. So uh, it, it's going to be interesting, but that Notre Dame to big 10 thing is on my mind every day now. Yes, it is. And I, I got to ask one more before we go to commercial break because it's Donna Boggs. It's my mom asking for my dad. This is <laughs> so mystery fan wants to ask. This definitely comes from my dad. How fun was the Catholic versus convicts game? Well, I might have to ask my dad since I was only, you know, like four <laughs> years old. So I might have to call my dad and ask since I was four. Um, but I'm going to tell you, it the hatred you guys have, like with Michigan, that era of Notre Dame, Miami, it, it was literally like, 
opposing views of every single value in the world of how we were trying to do it and how they were trying to do it. And they represented everything we hated. We represented everything they hated. Um, and it, it was a, a magical moment for Notre Dame and a special afternoon there. And, and I watched the replays of that game and all of it all the time. Um, that rivalry was so hot and so intense and so real and just animosity and bad blood and just all of it. And just the little skirmish there in, in the tunnel and the guys went in the locker room after the, that skirmish before the game, you know, you do your warmups, then you run off and then you come back out. And there was that little tussle. There was helmets flying and punches. And Rocket Ismail tells this story. You know, you got little 5'4 Lou Holtz there, you know, little, little Lou. And they get that skirmish cleared out. They go in the locker room and those players think Lou's going to come in there and go, you were fighting, you're out of the game. You swung a punch. We're not doing that here. You're out of the game. And Lou walked in there and they're all nervous of what he's going to say. And, and he just says, save Jimmy Johnson's ass for me. And that was it. The game was Notre Dame wasn't going to lose that game after that. That little 5'4 leprechaun got up there and said, <laughs> save Jimmy Johnson's ass for me. And the guys went nuts. And then that started that whole game. Um, and so, and you know, it, it's just, I get frustrated because I just wish these great moments we had to relive weren't all from when I was like four and five years old. Like I'm getting sick of reashing these 30 year old moments we need some new ones well we bring a guest on eric and i'm still the old guy man yeah that's true that's true chris but hey with age comes wisdom my man all right we'll take a quick commercial break we come back second part of the show we'll have part two of the john kennedy experience the ohio podcast is brought to you by mastermind Mastermind specializes in 360-degree high-definition mobile video mapping, GIS integration, and traffic safety studies. Mastermind cares about traffic safety and keeping you safe on the roadway. Visit Mastermind at OnlineMastermind.com. Chris, you got the first question, my man. Absolutely. John, got to know. I'm going to start talking about the game a little bit. What does the Notre Dame team look like this season? And what are some of the main stories for the Irish as we head into this uh, college football season? Yeah, it, you know, it's really interesting. Um, year one of Marcus Freeman was a challenge in nearly every way. Uh, the one contention I have is, and I have to push back on my show with with this narrative a little bit, is a lot of people were telling you Freeman inherited this stacked roster from Brian Kelly. And, and it was a, a 10, 11 win roster he, that he inherited. And it should just be off to the races. Even entering uh, that roster was flawed. Okay. There was bad recruiting, bad development. I mean, when we played you guys last year, we had like two scholarship wide receivers that were even available to play. It just, I mean, there was some really bad recruiting and development and nobody knew that more than brian kelly by the way because he was the architect of that and there is an element of he knew what was coming down the road and i'm see you later type type deal why does a rat desert the ship yeah so he was responsible for allowing uh 
he himself wasn't the most intense recruiter, didn't like to put miles on the private jet kind of guy, uh, liked to recruit from the golf course a little too much for my comfort. Uh, but he hired some guys that weren't recruiting either. So there were a lot of holes there. But the real issue was the starting quarterback went down before the halftime of game two last year. That right there screwed the whole year up and everything else was just fighting and clawing to be able to win the game you're in. And you couldn't think of anything bigger or broader. Um, that was really unfortunate. And even if Tyler Buckner didn't get injured, he was on his first year as the starter. You didn't know if he was going to be any good, even if he was in one piece, let alone the fact that he ended up not being. So once he went down, we had to go to Drew Pine, who could have doubled as a lollipop kid in the Wizard of Oz. Couldn't see <laughs> I'm serious. He couldn't see over the line. He got eight ball, eight passes batted down per game. I He should have never even been at Notre Dame. I, I just, I don't, whatever. It's not his fault. He was trying his best, but he was severely physically limited. You add in those other roster holes. And it, it was a little iffy. And so you had some struggles there. And we were buying the eight ball. Um, you know, losing to Marshall and Stanford were just no-shows. There's no answer to that. If they lose the other two to you guys and, and USC, 10 and 2, injured quarterback, everybody probably could have dealt with that year one. The Marshall and Stanford no-shows, both at home, both like 17 and a half point favorites. There was just no rhyme or reason for that. Other than the fact that I was there both those weeks. So maybe it's my fault. Um, but that was last year. So it's really hard to gauge where it was at last year when you were, had all these roster issues and the quarterback went down. Now everything shifted and it's like, you know, they always talk about a team's jump from week one to week two in their performance. And it's like, how much more are we going to see out of Marcus Freeman year one to year two? How much of that roster was he able to flip over and backfill some of those uh, dire needs with depth? Um, and, and it's like, what are we going to get now? And there's just a lot of anxiety about it. You know, everybody's in the middle here, kind of excited, but kind of nervous. Yet you, you want to see where it's going to go. I think the one big advantage is Sam Hartman. Uh, that was a big, big deal getting him. You know, he's not Caleb Williams level, um, but for the best quarterback in the portal to want to be at Notre Dame was a big get for us and to fill that need uh, for this year. So we're hopeful that is going to be the tide that raises all ships uh, that you'll see a big difference. The, um, you guys, it's been a very long time since Notre Dame had an offense that stressed the defense everywhere. They could run the ball on you. They could pass the ball on you. The last handful of years, it has been pile up on the line to stop the run, guard the great tight end, and then you beat Notre Dame. You shut them down. That has been our offense. There's been no consistent downfield threat, none of that stuff. Quick strike scores, no, forget it. Um, so we are hoping that Sam Hartman is the tide that raises all those ships. And then we kind of go from there. So, but there's some anxiety. Everybody's just kind of anxious. It's year two, but it feels like year one in certain ways. And so everybody's in wait and see mode again.
Um, to piggyback off of that, here's a question from Donald Hoffer. What kind of offense do you think Notre Dame will run this year with Gerald Parker as OC and Sam Hartman as the quarterback? Yeah, I think, listen, Notre Dame's always going to want to run the ball. All right. It, it's like what they want to be. We have a good tradition of, you know, like you guys are with wide receivers, we, you know, with tight ends and offensive linemen, we have a pretty good lineage of putting those guys in the league and getting very high level play out of them. So Notre Dame's there's some of my guys, D rock Irish. <laughs> good to see you. Thanks for being here. Um, and so they're going to want to run the ball and they're going to want to do that. They're going to want to use their, the tight ends. But we're all going, are, are we actually going to see like downfield passing? Like that is a foreign concept to us. The idea that you have guys that you're hitting in stride across the middle of the field, like we're not used to that. So I think you're going to see a desire to run the ball, use the tight end. But I think they're also going to try and throw it a little bit because they finally have a guy that could do it. And they did a really good job recruiting wide receiver, which was an area they had no bodies. A pretty good job of, of filling that um, room back up with some guys that could play. So you're still going to see a lot of running the ball using the tight end. But with Hartman, the idea is we're going to be able to add that passing element threat to where you can't just sell out close to the line and beat us. And uh, we're open. That's what we see. That's what Hartman's here for. We better see it. Let's talk, let's talk Marcus Freeman a little bit. <clears throat> Former Buckeye yeah. comes in, tells all of you all that he doesn't want to make the same mistake. Kind of riled us up a little bit there. You know what? I'm a little fired up over that one. Eric. Yeah. You want to know what I, I was thinking about this last night because I knew this was going to come up. All right. Um, the entire time he's been at Notre Dame, the under Kelly as the DC and then getting the job. That is like the only thing anybody has negative to say about him ever that I've heard ever. And it isn't even that bad. That's a good compliment to Marcus Freeman. I think he was trying to, you know, uh, kind of beef up the Notre Dame position a little bit and kind of prove that he's one of us now, you know, one of those deals. Um, but I'm telling you guys, I love Marcus Freeman. He is so genuine and open and like just, He's he doesn't have the personality most of these big football coaches have all about ego, all about themselves, all about how they look. Like he is so genuine and so open, and that fits Notre Dame's vibe. Like it just fits kind of how we are. So personality-wise, everybody loves him. I have not heard anybody that has a bad word to say about the guy. He is as genuine as the day is long. And Unlike Kelly, I can honestly say I know Marcus Freeman is recruiting Notre Dame 100% as hard as he can every single day. You could never say that under Kelly. It just wasn't out in his DNA to be that way. And so I respect that I know that guy's working uh, nonstop. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. The issue is, if you could just tell Freeman, go do what you need to do, this would be a home run. The issue is, Freeman doesn't have all that power. Even the Notre Dame AD does not have that power. They have that group of powerful administrators above them that have to sign off on everything. And I think one of the biggest worries with Freeman is he's getting a lot of elite guys interested. And when they get in that room and they're going, what are you going to do for us with the dough? And Notre Dame's not willing to play that game the way others are. We're not going to get those guys. And that is the wall Freeman's bumping into right damn now. And last year it happened. That is an issue. That is a big issue. He is getting these guys on campus interested. They could get the grades. But when it comes down to that money part, Notre Dame doesn't play that the way these other schools do. And then these guys just go, all right, thanks, but no thanks. See ya. And so that's a big, big issue. Because how do you ever get over the hump without getting the dudes? And And it's not lack of effort. It's not lack of interest. It's just those administrators think it's below them to do a lot of the out front NIL, the very public stuff. It's like, the holier than now that people don't like about Notre Dame, that's it in practice. That's it in practice. Um, and there's no change in that group of millionaire and billionaires' minds. Like they are made up and they have how they want to do it. So that is the issue. I think most of us feel he's going to get better as being an head coach, been around winners. He was a player. He'll pick up the nuance of being an head coach. It's just, Where are you going to go if you don't let him get those guys and play that game? I'm not saying pay for play, but like big, fat, good NIL deals that appeal to people even. Notre Dame's too resistant to. Cost us three five-stars in last year's class. All three of them would have been starting against you guys. Two of them were committed. One of them was a silent. And then other people offered him stuff in the last hours. We wouldn't. Lost all three of them. So... I don't like the idea that Freeman's a hostage in that regard, where if he just can't offer it, how do you get over that hump? So personality-wise, love him. He'll get better as an on-field coach, but getting that top-end talent is going to be an issue because he's bumping up against those uh, administrative restrictions. Yeah, I, I, Larry, I think uh, I just posted your question there. I think he just answered the majority of that. Marcus Freeman is is kind of on a timeline there where um, he's doing all he can. A lot of Notre Dame fans are big time on his recruiting. They're very happy with that. Um, he, he's just he's, his hands are tied. Um, we saw the similar thing here over in Buckeye land with Ryan day a little bit and Ryan day took it to the media and said, I need 13 million to keep my, my players here. Yep. And he got it. And now we have two NIL collectives and look at all the talent we're bringing in this year, because when they come in on their, when they come in to recruit on their, uh, on uh, over the weekend, 
they'll they'll tour every the facilities, they'll talk to all the coaches, they'll get everything like that. And then they get to go tour the city. And when they go tour the city, they get to meet with the collectives yeah. and the collectives say, here's what we can offer you. Is That's anybody so offering you more? Tour no. This, tour the city. Oh, tour the city. To at this restaurant we're eating at. What a coincidence. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. So Donald Hopper says it, it looks like Marcus Freeman is pretty much being micromanaged a little bit. Okay. I'm not going to go. I'm not going to go that far far but i do know that marcus knows the modern realities of this and and he's trying to fight to get some of those changes made uh brady quinn is a big part of one of the notre dame collectives he's modern enough and well enough respected that he's trying to help with some of it but none of this stuff moves quickly at notre dame like they move late to a lot of things it's just how they react uh very reactionary in that way but the big fear I have is Marcus Freeman works his butt off, recruits as hard as he can, and he gets frustrated. Like, I don't know what else I could do yet. Like, I have these guys interested, but I just can't do what it's going to take. Does he get to a point where he's like, this is my reputation as a coach. If they're not giving me what I need, I'm going to look for somebody that will. And then he gets the training wheels out of the way at Notre Dame about to be a, a head coach. And then somebody tells them, come on over to us and we're not holding you back and you can really win and get whatever you need for NIL. Don't worry about grades or whatever. You know, you could get that kind of offer somewhere. Um, so I just don't want it to get to a point where he feels like I'm doing all I could do and, and I can't get over the hump. I got to do something else. Um, that would be my big picture fear. I think we're really far away from that, but, but it, it is in my mind. I think you pretty much covered all of our questions that we had. I know you might have some for Chris and I. So, John, it's it's time to turn the tables. We've been we've been firing them at you. Fire yeah. some back, Chris and I. What do you got for what? us? That's very fair, you guys. I like that. I come on your show and you still let me ask you guys a couple questions. Um, all right, here's number one. What the hell is going on with you guys losing to Michigan? I don't like this. I really don't like it. Like, you got to get that figured out because it, it bothers both you guys and, and me too. Like, we can't let that happen collectively. We, meaning all of college football, we can't let this become a thing. And if, I know you've noticed their recruiting did take an uptick, and it hurts me to say that, but they're trending up in recruiting right now, and I don't like that, but they're trending up. So, what has gone on the last two years, and how do you stop that this year? Chris, you want to take this one? Well, I, I think it comes down to two things. Um, and we've talked about it numerous times on this program, Eric. One, I believe that after the first year, and it came back last year, I think that Jim Harbaugh is inside Ryan Day's head. I also think that a big problem has been just the lack of physicality that we've had the last couple of years. We have not been physical enough to compete with Michigan. The reason being, as you've stated on this program several times, Eric, we are built to compete for national titles. We are built to run with the SEC teams. And Michigan is built to beat Ohio State. That is their goal in life. They may say their goal is a national championship. Their goal is to beat Ohio State. 
And that's the type of physical team that they've put together. And the last two years, the plans worked and they've handed it to us. Um, you know, I truly think that, as I've said before, for me, this is Ryan Day's last shot. He's got to beat Michigan this year. If he doesn't get his head straight, the players' head straight, and, and you know, come out and beat Michigan, I don't think Ryan Day gets a fourth opportunity. I just don't. See, that was we aren't gonna we aren't gonna revisit the Cooper years. Man, but see, that was gonna be my next question. Yeah, I wanted to get your thought on that. And then my next follow-up question would have been I hear from people, you know, you're mad about stuff and it's hot seat and this and that. I want to know how what is the situation there? Like you look at last year, for instance, you guys lost that game and it was ugly and whatever. But still, you look at what you almost pulled off in the playoffs. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, that was really close to you guys being able to lose that game horribly, be miserable, and make it all back up. Like, so where does the reality fall of the pressure on Ryan Day, both from your fan base and the administration and those at the, the university? And I'd imagine maybe those are different answers. Maybe they're not. But... I would love to know where the fans are on that and then where you think the decision makers are on that as well. I would say 25 to 35% of this fan base after losing two straight years in a row, either wanted him out immediately or put him on the hot seat. Like that guy right there, put him on the hot seat. He said, you don't get a third chance. The administration's a little bit different because they see Ryan Day's success in recruiting. We just had another big weekend. We actually leapfrogged over the team up north in recruiting numbers this weekend. Uh, they've seen the success in getting to the college football playoff. They've seen the success of when we get there, we're doing well. Now, we didn't, we haven't won like we did when Urban got there, but um, we got to the championship. We, we, we took down Clemson, which was a monkey on our back. Um, we, we took Georgia to the absolute limit, had them beat. I don't care what uncle, what's his name says, uh, they, we had them beat and he knows it. And he, I mean, I know it's a four quarter game. I know we did some things at the end of that game that, you know, gosh, darn it. I wish we had back, but Chris is right. We, we are built to run with those teams. The problem is, is when you get down in the trenches and you get down to it's, it's a, it's a game of inches, right? They're tougher than us right now. Oh, but wait, but but it wasn't like that for a whole bunch of years up to the last two when you guys right. were kicking the crap at them. So what I want to know is what switched? Was it something on your end that went yes, wrong? Very or was it something on their end that went right. What the hell changed? Well, yeah, there's two there's two things. Well, first off, COVID happened. And when COVID happened, if if we would have played that team up north that year, Jim Harbaugh would have been fired. Yep. They yep. sucked. They got they out were, of that. Oh, we're too scared. You know, yeah, they knew what they knew what was coming. And that then was, he yeah. he changed his mentality. He said at the Big Ten Media Days, we're either gonna we're either gonna beat them or we're gonna die trying. And that was their entire mindset. And our mindset, we got soft. We just yep. got soft. We took on Ryan Day's personality a little bit and and urban meyer when he came in he said i don't care what we do we will not lose to that team can, and, can and ryan day's not a buckeye he's from northeast from the northeast and so it's not inbred in him 
Like you, you talk to Marcus Freeman, you ask that question to Marcus Freeman, I guarantee you, he will give you a more passionate answer about the hate of that team up north than our current head coach does. I promise you. Chris, go ahead. And, and here's the other thing. And you mentioned it. We moved on from Urban's players to Ryan Day's players at that point. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we had a few guys like Justin Fields who Day was responsible for bringing in, but he was still running Urban's players. Yeah. When we started losing to that team up north is when we had Ryan Day's players in there in the trenches. Yeah, that 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 makes sense. Yeah, you you're answering my question, and I, and I, you know what else I think a part of it is with the whole Michigan thing, with the way they play and the recruiting. I think him kind of putting to bed the constant worry he's going to jump to the NFL had to help stabilize everything. I wish you would have just left, and we could be I could be done with that weirdo. He's a weirdo. He ain't. You yes, can look is. at the guy. There's something going on. He's not normal. He's, he's just, he's a loon. The guy is wacky, but you know what? Those guys play hard for him and they push people around a lot of times. And I respect that. Um, but it's just, it's just really hard to watch. It's really hard to watch. And, and like some of their schedule this year, there's, oh my gosh, don't even get started. Their first game is the second week in November against Penn state. Then they play you guys. It's a two-game season. They're gonna yeah. skate, and I'm. We're both gonna have to listen to them running their mouths every single day. It's a joke. They sold. They paid to get out of their non-conference Power Five contracts to yep. go play the Ann Arbor High Schools. It's a joke. So they, they don't Alabama play a real North. game till November 11th. Alabama North. They belong in the SEC with their schedule. D Rock. Yeah, D-Rock Irish says, has Day turned over all his OC calling duties entirely to Heartline, or is it a combo effort? So, uh, D-Rock, great question. I believe, according to my feelers that I have out there, that this is going to be a combination. It, he is not going to give the entire play calling over to Brian Heartline. Um, Brian Hartline's never called plays before. And so I think there's, it's going to be kind of like, uh, we'll see how it goes a little bit at a time. And if things go really well, maybe by the end of the year or the beginning of next season, you'll see Brian Hartline, the full-time play caller. I will be absolutely floored, D-Rock, if we come game one and, and Brian Hartline's calling all the plays all the time. I just don't think Ryan Day can let that go that easily. That's his bread and butter, and he's great at it. He's a good play caller for the most part. He didn't show it against the team up north last year, but he came right back against Georgia and called a heck of a game against them. So Until next it counted most, Eric. Until the last three up. plays. Do yep. you think, let me ask you a question about Ryan Day's perspective of all this. I, I think of this. Um, where do you think Ryan Day falls on this? Is is he thinking this isn't good enough? I know I can't lose to Michigan like this. It's a bad look. Or is he thinking, what do these people want? I almost got us to the championship, even though we lost that game. I'm winning a lot of games. We're in the top five in recruiting every single year. What do you people want from me? Like, I wonder where he's at with this. I think he knows. I really think he knows. He's come out and said as much that he knows. Uh, you know, 
He said 11 a few years ago. He said 11 and one in a Rose Bowl victory is not good enough for this team. Yeah, he knows what's expected, and there's just some disconnect there right now that it's not getting done. I really hope it gets done. I think he's got the potential to be great, but I also would be the first one in line to give him a boot to the backside if he doesn't beat him this year. Yeah, and I wonder if there's, even if it isn't from the administration, I wonder if he gets a little bit of that Brian Kelly in him with like, I'm not being appreciated for what I am doing here and looks elsewhere. Like, would you be shocked if he took an NFL job or did something else like out of the blue? Or do you not think that's something that would be realistic with him? I don't think he would jump quickly. Do you, Eric? No, his, okay. So here's, here's a little inside baseball. He, I actually live in the same County as him. And my wife teaches in the same school district as his children go to. Look at he's you, a, inside information. I like this. He's a family man. He does not want to pull his kids from, from school and drag them all over the country. Well, then you're when, in the wrong business, buddy, because that's what happens to every coach. Let's well, be and real. That's like, what he said. He said when he got this job, he goes, I'm tired of dragging my family all over the country. And so I think he is here for the long haul until the kids graduate, if he can keep his job. And that's really the question here. Cause if he, if he thinks it's bad now and he loses a third time, I don't care that if we go 11, one, get in the college playoff again. Yeah. If, if he loses three in a row, the heat from this fan base is going to be massive. And here's why John it's because we have freaking standards. Our standards are to beat the team up North, win the conference, and go to the college football playoff. That's the standard here. That's the standard that that Jim Tressel and Urban Meyer and Woody Hayes, long before them, put in place. And he knows that's the standard because when he was introduced as the head coach, he said, I know my job here is to first beat that team up north and then win every game after that. He, those are his words, not mine. He knows the standard. We're not going to lower the standard as a fan base because a few people out there want to be nice. Sorry, Kirk Street. Don't mean to offend you. He called us a bunch of uh, jack A's because we don't, and we're too hard on Ryan Day. We don't really understand football. No, we have standards. And if those standards aren't met, I don't care if you're the Pope. Sorry, yeah. John. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, it, to, to, we have St. Woody here in, in over yeah. in Columbus. It's you've got to win that game. You cannot lose three in a row. All there, right. there's now, pressure wait, here. Now wait though. All right, I agree with all that, and I share. We we are bonding here over that mutual hatred <laughs> over those people. Like I am. I mean, they married their siblings. It's just a bad deal. I don't like them at all. All right, but. Is the grass always greener on the other side? Like it is easy to say, it is very easy to say, oh, if you, I don't care if you go 11 and one, but if you lose that one or whatever, you got to go, whatever. It's very easy to say that. Do you have an inclination of what the plan would be? Is it, is like, is it Heartline's time because he's a great recruiter? Like, what do you do? No way. Do you have any idea of where that would go? Um, I don't quite think Freeman is mature enough and maybe ready for that deal because that's another question that comes up with us. But do you have any idea where that would go? Because you got to be careful what you wish for on these type of deals. And I think that last year it would have been easier than it will be this year because last year there was still the availability of Luke Fickle before he came on to 
Wisconsin. Luke Fickle going to Wisconsin to a major wrench in this. And mm-hmm. as much as I say I'd be willing to put my foot on his backside for losing again this year, and we've talked about this before, Eric, where would we go? Who would we get? Yep. Yeah. We might have to ride this out a year or two yet. And I don't see doing it. I don't want to do it. If he loses again, I would love to see him out there. But we might have to actually suck it down. and run. Unless you're willing to bring Urban Meyer back as an interim for a couple years, uh, which, you know what, I know a lot of people have a lot of thoughts on Urban Meyer right now. Say what you will. He may be a rotten SOB off the field. Yeah. But he but wins. When he's on the field, yeah. he wins, and he wins championships. Hey, listen, he was close to leaving Utah and coming to Notre Dame, and mm-hmm. he met with them. And I think uh, he kind of said, "I." he was on Lou Altz's staff in the 90s, so he knows mm-hmm. all about Notre Dame. Urban's a Catholic boy. He, he likes Notre Dame, right? And he met with them, and he said, I know how you guys do it. And if you're not going to give me, let me do what it takes to win. My wife likes the warm weather. We're getting on the plane and we're out of here. And they said, well, then you can go. And then that was that. Uh, And then with Fickle, Fickle was in the mix when they hired Freeman. If it wasn't going to be him, Fickle was a a really highly thought of name. But it's just a little dangerous from an outsider looking in at your situation. What I see is, I understand the the pain of not winning that one game, but the recruiting is still really, really good, really, yep. really strong every year. Very, very strong. But that's not all Ryan that's not Day. That's not all Art Ryan. You look at Larry Johnson. You look at at uh, uh, Alford. These guys are having a major impact in that recruiting game. It's not just Ryan Day who's bringing these guys uh, in. Notre Dame losing Tony Alford hurt me so much, man. He was like our best recruiter under Kelly. One of the only guys that was grinding and making moves. It really hurt us to lose Alford. Uh, it really, really did. But I I just, it's just a little dangerous when I see that you're still winning a lot and a lot of games and the recruiting still so high to be like, maybe we'd be better off without this guy. You just don't know what you're going to get. That's all I'm saying. It's dangerous. Two things. Yeah, right, yeah. Bring bring sweater vest back. Two things. Number one, this is a little inside baseball for you. Luke Fickle left Ohio State, his alma mater, where he coached with Trestle Urban. He left because he was told he needed to get head coaching yeah. experience if he was to one day be the head coach at Ohio State. He left. Urban stepped down. Gene Smith never even called him for an interview. Ryan took that personally. He's at Wisconsin today because I think I think Luke Fickle, if 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 we were to lose and Gene calls him and says, Luke, we need you to come home, I don't think Luke even takes the phone call. Just another great Gene Smith uh, decision there. Yeah. I don't think he even takes the phone call. It like he's never gonna publicly say it. But I'm telling you, man, that was when, when Gene didn't even pick up the phone call to say, hey, we're leaning to air. We're leaning to Ryan Day, yeah. but I owe it to you to come in and for an interview. Wow me. He didn't even give him the shot. Yeah. Now, that's low, man. Yeah, that's that's rough. And then the other thing in my mind from your guys perspective, I'm sure this is on your mind as well, is 
you know, you had some turnover on your roster and, and you're going to have a, a first year quarterback and all that stuff. Like what is like, that's a, when you're looking at that pressure of already with those two losses to Michigan, and then now you're going in it with a younger quarterback and kind of rebuilding a little bit of that. That's got to be uncomfortable too. Like, and so what are you thinking about that? It, it To me, it looks like it would even favor Michigan more than it did the last two years because you don't have that quarterback play you know you're going to get. Am I wrong or, or what? You're not wrong. Here's the thing. I, I don't know, though. Dude, I do Stroud, not like this. This Stroud would never sack up and run off. against Michigan, like though. This. These guys might. <laughs> so we've got two five-stars sitting there, right? Yes. Yeah. They're five stars. If you're a five star, you should be pretty good. And here's the thing that gives me hope. Ryan Day has yet to develop a really good quarterback. He's done a great job, beginning with Haskins, Fields, on the C.J. Stroud. All three of them were first-round draft picks. All three of them he personally developed. Yeah, but how long did it take for that to kick in? Because you don't even have one full year to be able to give one of these guys. You need it now, damn it, against us and then against them. There is no yeah. time for that. Haskins was, Haskins was one year. Fields was one year. C.J. Stroud just didn't happen. But here's the thing. McCord's been here for two years already. He's, you know, this is his third year. He's a redshirt sophomore. If he hasn't been developing behind the scenes, then what the heck have you been doing? Yeah, that's a good point. So, I mean, I'm not as worried about that, John, as I am our offensive tackles, man. Yeah. If, if I don't care who you have back there. If you've got no time to throw the football, I don't care how great our receivers are. If we cannot block up front, we are screwed. And at the spring game, and I know you shouldn't take everything, you know, take the spring game with a grain of salt. I understand that. But my gosh, we had zero time to throw the football, and we were just doing a four-man rush up front every down and it was horrendous less than two seconds to throw the football every snap we counted chris and i sat there and counted the entire second half and we looked at each other and they're taking out all the first stringers right on the defense and receive and they leave the first string offensive line in because it's like oh wait 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 you gotta explain this to me i don't understand this you guys are in the top five or three in recruiting every damn year so is it is it just like they're spread out in classes where guys aren't ready or we they're all wide receivers? They're all wide receivers. We we've, a, got, we've got a room full of five star receivers. We've got a few great running backs. We've got a couple quarterbacks, all skill positions, nobody to move anybody. That was the next thing I was going to ask is, or does it just seem to me it's all skill talent, but the guy's going to be on his back before you could get him the ball, you know, to the skill talent. Former former offensive coach uh, uh, Greg Strudaro, who I like, Coach Stud. I like Coach yeah, Stud. Coach met him, met him, had a laugh with him. Told him I had three years of eligibility left, you know. And and I don't know if he was joking, but he said, uh, "You should come down. We need you." And I thought, "Oh boy, that's not a good sign, right?" He's gone, right? But he's he's kind of done a little bit of the Kelly to us. He left the cupboard a little dry on the offensive line. And we had we had really good offensive linemen last year, but we only had five of them. We were incredibly blessed that they stayed healthy last year. Yeah. Now that those guys have all gone, we're really good up front, center guards. We're good. Um, we're going to have a good push up the middle. But on the outsides, when it comes to pass blocking, 
boy, I'm scared to death. Man, I, it's just that's not what you want to hear when when you're we're talking the whole time about you got to get over this Michigan up and do all that. Like it just seems like it, it's it just doesn't line up the way I would want it to for them to lose. So I I don't know, but you know. There is the whole season yet for that to come together and you guys to settle in. And they always say offensive lines have to gel. Like maybe that'll all come together. Um, and uh, but but that's a big, big question I have is, you know, you got all that elite recruiting. It's just all wide receiver depth or what? But, but we don't go. actually have a whole season, John, because we don't play Michigan schedule. Yeah, we, we actually have you guys early. You know, we've got. We've got a Wisconsin. We go to Madison, Wisconsin this year in Luke's house this year. We're playing this. Listen to this. This is crazy. This is the first time this has happened since the 1800s. We play six road games this year. Wow. Yeah. So, I mean, breaking in a new quarterback on the road. We come to the state of Indiana three times. Yeah. <laughs> we're we're going to get comfortable with uh, Route but 70 you know West. Breaking in a new quarterback on the road may not be a bad thing. It might not. Because it might the not. new birds aren't going to be out. Yep. John, yeah. what else you got for us, man? We're in overtime. We usually go to 9 o'clock. Hit me with another good one. This is this is fun. Man, I just – all right. Let, let's talk about our game a little bit, all right? Yeah, like, let's do it. Each, all right? Like, we could crap on Michigan together all the time, and I'm down <laughs> for that whenever you guys want, by the way. Um, how is your fan base approaching that game? Generally speaking, is it little old Notre Dame? We're going to go over there and pound them. Is it, you know, uh, like, I just want to know from your fans, what are, what are they thinking and feeling about Notre Dame? Is it just like little old Notre Dame or is there actual like concern that you got to win this game? Or is it like an overthought? And they're like, we're going to go over there and win. No big deal. Like just wondering where you guys think your fans are at. It's a quiet confidence. It's there's not a ton of trash talking on our side right now. And when you get beat by your rival two years in a row, it's hard to talk trash. So there, there's a there's a quiet confidence about the trip to South Bend. Um, recent history tells us that we've done really well. Um, recruiting rankings tell us that we've done better. Uh, coaching experience says again we've we've got that but we saw last year in game number one we didn't play a very good game and it went okay but now we got to go to your house I know that that's a hot ticket Uh, I've I've priced them babies out um I I think there's a quiet confidence I don't nearly Bucknut will be there price don't matter for him he's gonna be (laughs) there right on that NBC they're gonna zoom right in in my building, they're going to zoom right in on him. I'm already mad. Yeah, let's throw it up one more time. <laughs> Chris, what do you think? I think there's a quiet confidence in that game from Ohio State fans. I think there is, just because, like we said, our expectations that we're going to win every game. You know, that that is just our expectation. Call us spoiled, call us whatever you want. That is our expectation. And, you know, I think that James, uh, or I'm sorry, Marcus Freeman, rather, He's, he's still got, we still got a little vitriol over what he had said last year. He, say what you will. You can come out and try to backstep it all you want. You dogged the program you came from. And Wait, you guys got to under, you got to have no faith. forgiveness. 
You Weird. gotta understand that he feels the obligation to defend where he's at now. Come on, you're digging okay. for reasons you, to get worked up. You're digging. Oh, I, I am not digging for reasons. You guys, you, you guys practice forgiveness. We don't practice forgiveness, and we do not forget. We Telling do not you. forget. He is. Just, we want to go over there. We want to find Marcus Freeman. We want to stomp a mud hole on him and walk it dry. Yeah. Here, here here's John. Here's this. If we go in the South Bend and you guys win and then we go to Ann Arbor and yeah. we lose again, yeah. You know what this fan base is going to start saying. That's 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 uh-oh territory there for sure. And and on the flip side, man, Notre Dame fans, I I, I we we got to see more this year. Like we're looking for a big we need to start winning these big games. You know, I mentioned the struggle to land the elite of the elite talent. Well, if you're not going to be able to go recruit them first and then win with them, the only other way to do it is reverse engineer it. Win your biggest game somehow, some way with what you got, enough to entice guys to answer the phone, make an extra trip to visit South Bend and all that. So something's got to give there. Notre Dame's got the big three, the same big three we had last year. You guys, USC and Clemson, that is a big, big three. Three big names, three teams that are expected to win or be right up there to win their conferences. Like, Notre Dame fans want to see a some big game winning this year, and it all starts with you guys. Like, that is going to be the directional arrow for both of our years, I believe, as long as neither of us does anything dumb leading up to it, all right? But that is a huge arrow for both of us. It's going to be a big moment, both ways. You know, years ago, I went over to the to, to Notre Dame. My, my as I said, uh, my ex wife's family was very big uh, Notre Dame fans. Is that why she's your ex wife? No, no. <laughs> we'll leave that for another day. No. I just couldn't but, handle it. I couldn't handle say, it. I, I understand. Done. We're done here. But uh, we 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 went over to a game, and I go into the Notre Dame bookstore over there, full decked out in my OSU garb. And let me tell you, the fans were great. They were joking around, uh, you know, having a good time. But let me tell you, if I find a way to make it over there this year, you better believe I'm going to be bringing it. You're going to paint your face? Around. Paint your face! paint my face! Dude, Absolutely. Got, I will wear six Buckeye necklace. I may even throw on the old Laurinaitis spikes just to rub it in. Leave the spikes at home, okay? All right. Listen. Our fans, if anything, we are too nice. We are too hospitable yeah. to people, man. It drives me nuts how nice we are. Like, I don't want it to be like Miami when we went there in 17. Yeah, and can, they were like can. trying to fight us. Like, I don't want that. But we are so hospitable to the enemy. Sometimes it almost rubs me the wrong way. I'm like, we got to get a little tougher here. All right. You can still have an edge and still have class, man. You can. Yeah. Yeah, but I'm throwing the class out the window if I find a way there. I'm just telling you. Last question. Last question. This was a lot of fun, John. Thank you so much. Hey, um, that's my hey. brother. Oh, is it? Yeah. <laughs> he has a great question. By the way, I love that episode you did when he came on and he tricked He tricked me. I'm like, wait a second. Yeah. <laughs> but no, a split so second. He lives in, in South Florida. So we went down there last week for vacation. And, you know, we're sitting there and I'm going, I'm going to go on the patio and record. And he was there and I go, let's mess with people. Do the intro. We'll see if we can mess with their minds. 
Got me. Got me. He wants to know who's more likely to win a title the next three years, Notre Dame, OSU, Michigan. We'll go around the horn real fast. I, I'm going to say Ohio State. I think we have the better roster right now to win it. Michigan yeah. is, like I said, they're beat. They're built to beat us. But look what happened at TCU. Oh, that I think that's the real team right there on a fast track. I'm going with Ohio State. Chris, who you got? How many years is it? Next three years. Who's more likely next to win years, one? I got to go Ohio State. I would love to. I will tell you this. I would give Notre Dame fans hope. I would say within the next three to five. They should be contending. Give Freeman time to get a roster in there that he can develop. But in the next three years, I got to say Ohio State. Yeah. All right. So if you're going to ask me, I'm going to break this down a little bit even more. Good question by my brother. Thanks for tuning in, Andrew. Um, Over the next three years, probably Ohio State because of the consistency of that recruiting that I like. For this next year, I think it's clearly Michigan since they play a two-game season. You got to account for that. You got to account for that. Skating all the way into November, playing nobody but junior high, and then they play Penn State. You guys, it couldn't be an easier way to try and get into this field. If it's this next year, I'm going to go with them because they have the fewest stumbling blocks to get there. So I'd go you guys overall in the next three. But for this next year, I'm picking Michigan. Notre Dame third, but not like, oh, we're terrible. But I still recognize this roster needs a lot of work, okay? Like, I need to get another cycle or two of Freeman's recruiting and development in there. We're still trying to fill holes and uh, build quality depth a lot of areas. And it's just not, I know what I see and I know what I see in the playoffs and I know what we look like. And we're just not there yet as far as an overall roster and the depth. Now here's the other issue with this. When we get into the 12 teamer, I think having really good quality depth is going to be a bigger deal than it is now. Cause that is going to be a gauntlet and you're going to play a string of top 10-ish teams in a row, you got to have some guys because you're going to be dinged and beat up and you're going to have to have high quality depth. And so uh, that's something Notre Dame needs to build more of as well. Check back with me in a couple more recruiting cycles. Let me see the development. CJ Carr coming in, a, a Michigan guy, by the way, there. See, do you know how happy I was when Lloyd Carr was hugging his grandson with that Notre Dame add on? That was beautiful. I loved it. So it was beautiful. I was trolling all the Michigan people. But I want to see Freeman get one of his young quarterbacks in and developed and see how that goes. And so we're just not there yet. Um, So that's how I see that. But this year, Michigan has the inside track simply by the math. They only played two games. So whatever. But they only played two last year, and TCU made him look foolish. I mean, it was yeah. a close game, but TCU made him look foolish. Yeah. All right. Hey, this has been a lot of fun. Thank you so much, John. Um, you've got a big event coming up there in South Bend. Tell everybody about how they – how if, if you're – hey, even if you're a Buckeye fan, you can still go out there and throw some bags at this event, man. I think it's great. Yeah. Listen, uh, I talk all the time on my show about needing Notre Dame to get more modern with NIL. It's a must-have. It's not optional. Notre Dame has to do that to compete. And so uh, through my stuff I'm doing, 
I have partnered with a uh, memorabilia dealer in Crown Point, Indiana, kind of in between South Bend and Chicago, a good location in the middle there. And we're having Sam Artman's first public NIL autograph signing since he's joined Notre Dame on Sunday, July 9th. And I'm going to be kind of uh, the sponsor of the event. So been promoting it, going to meet and greet with the people in the line when we're waiting, play some bags, talk Notre Dame, all of that. Um, and it's a really good opportunity for me to put my action where my mouth is. I'm all about supporting NIL and Notre Dame. Now I have a chance to bring people to the event, drive people to the event, um, welcome this guy to town. And it's kind of the way I look at it is, kind of the start of the ramp up into camp. We'll be past 4th of July, getting into you know mid-July. And then when you get to August, it really takes off. So it's going to be a great event. Foreveryoungsportscards.com. Go there, get your tickets, uh, all the information about it. Listen, I looked on that website. They have Ohio State guys do signings there all the time. So they, they are not just Notre Dame. He's got everything. And there's a lot of Ohio State guys that come through there. So if you're in that area, uh, look into it. And there will be some for Ohio State fans. Maybe not this event, but they do have Ohio State guys often. That's awesome. Hey, I know the week of the game, you're going to be having some stuff. Let's talk about collaborating. Maybe we can do some shows together. Yeah. Have a have a fun week that week. That'd be a lot of that'd be a lot of fun. I'm game if you are, John. Yeah, for sure. Like I'm even thinking that week. You know, I do my morning radio shows. I might even just go live again every night that week leading into the game because you know it'll be popping. Like oh, there yeah. will be people oh, yeah. on both sides. Um. Let's do that. We'll set it up where uh, I'll come on yours. You come on mine. We'll do that for sure. Uh, awesome. But yeah, this was fun, you guys. This is great. We could do this all night. I love it. I, I, I'm going to end this show with Donald Hoffer's comment because it's exactly how I feel. John, thank you for coming on. Good luck this season, except for one game. <laughs> hey, listen, as far as I'm concerned, we're mostly brothers here with the Michigan shared hatred. I, I just, I, it makes me feel good that we're bonding on that. Like we're on the same page there. All right, everybody. That's our show for this week. Thank you so much for coming on. We've had, this was big. This was great, John. Thank you so much. We'll be back next week. Remember, be kind to one another. I owe someone's OH in St. Carmen, Ohio with all your heart till next time. Let's see if we can teach our uh, Irish friend here how to do this. OH! Oh! This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.